Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party, and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. What is up? It's the Nightcap. Hour number two, getting rolling here on WGR. My name is Joe DiBiase. You can follow me on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. You can talk to me if you want by calling 803-0550. We got NHL playoffs going on right now. Islanders and Penguins. That's the only game in action right now. It's one-to-one. Goals by Phil Kessel and Jordan Eberle. Some noteworthy names. Eberle, by the way, free agent. We could talk about him a little bit if we want at some point. I don't love that idea, but he's a guy. Um, and then we've got Lightning up 3 to nothing on the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that's in the first intermission last I checked. And if you're looking for the games, because I know it could be a little confusing, NBC's got them spread around. Islanders-Penguins, which is in action right now, is on NBCSN. Lightning and Blue Jackets is over on USA. I think Blues and the Jets is going to be on NHL Network tonight. And then I think the other two games, Nashville, Dallas, USA, I think. And then the late game, Vegas and uh, San Jose is going to be on NBCSN. So I think I have that right. Um, But like I said, we got those couple scores going on right now. It's NHL playoff scoring update. It's brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorney. Spent a lot of time in the first hour going over your favorite and least favorite ideas for the Sabres and their next head coach. Um, Rolling through a couple of tweets here. Lindy Ruff. A lot of Lindy Ruff either as your favorite or your least favorite. So it seems like he's kind of polarizing at this point. I don't really think it's realistic, so I'm not even sure it matters. Um, To me, I'm kind of split on that. So I don't really have a strong opinion on it. I don't have a strong opinion on a lot of these coaches. But the guys that I do are the ones that are risks. The international guys, Gronberg or Ronberg, hire them both. I don't care. Make them co-head coaches. Um, the the one guy I haven't mentioned yet is Chris Knobloch. I'm not really a big AHL, junior hockey, college hockey guy. But he's young. I like that. He's only 40 years old. He's the youngest guy that we've really mentioned here tonight. Assistant coach of the Flyers right now. Previous to that, he was the Erie Otters coach. Coach Connor McDavid, Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strom, Andre Burakovsky. Coach of those guys. Before that, Kootenai in the WHL. Coach Sam Reinhart. So, that's an, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. 
I'd like that idea just for the fact that he's yet young. Everyone else you're talking about, like guys in your, they're, they're, you're talking about coaches in their 50s and late 50s. So I think that's kind of what you get with hockey coaches. But there's an idea that I like too, Chris Knobloch. Um, Ralph Kruger is another one that I mentioned in my article at WGR550.com. He's a, he's in, he's doing soccer stuff right now. He's the chairman of Southampton in the Premier League. And reportedly, Jason Bottrell tried to get him last year to talk about, uh, or two years ago, to be the Sabres head coach, and he wasn't interested. So I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't still be interested, but maybe worth a call. Did a really good job at the World Cup of Hockey. He got fired in Edmonton, but I mean, what coach doesn't get fired in Edmonton at this point? Um, so there's another idea for you. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on this. I want to go through some of my favorite ideas, though, for. Or not my favorite ideas. I want to rank the NHL playoff series from least favorite to my favorite. I got eight series here. There's only eight series total. And I there's a couple right at the top that are like super intriguing to me. So let's run through those. Number eight. So this would be the least interesting series to me. I got my intern Marcos in here. He might not like me for this. It's not an indictment on the Washington Capitals, but my least... The series I'm least interested in is Capitals-Hurricanes. And part of that is the Capitals. I would say not too much of that is the Capitals. Really, you look at them, and I guess like I could use a little break. Like they, they, I was rooting for them hard last season. Love Ovechkin. I think he's going to break the NHL goal record. I'm rooting for him to do that. Um, I'd Honestly, I'd, if they go far, I'd root for Ovechkin to get another one. I like his personality. I like his style of play. I just like him in general more than Sidney Crosby. I'd love for him to go down in the record books as a better player than Sidney Crosby. So if, th- if that means he's got to win another cup, maybe I'll root for him later on. But, you know, I just saw a lot of them last playoffs. The Hurricanes just do not move the meter for me at all. That's really what this is about. You got no stars on that team. Hell, I don't even know how you're doing it with your goaltending. Like, they're, they're Mrazic and McElhaney. Like, all right, all right. I feel like I should be better than them goaltending-wise here. Um, Rod Brindamore, like, just... I, I, I don't like them. I know they broke their playoff drought. Fine. Cool. I like their fun celebrations, but on the ice, not moving the meter. Number seven for most interesting playoff series to me, Sneaky Joe. Am I allowed to call myself that? Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Predators. I didn't give myself the nickname, so I think I'm allowed to. I can't if I gave myself the nickname, I think I'd come off as like kind of a kind of a tool, but I think I can refer to myself as that since I didn't give myself the nickname. Maybe I'll put that on Twitter. Predator Stars, that's seventh. Not because of the Predators. I think PK Subban is one of the most interesting players in the league. He's one of the few players that has personality. He's one of the few players in the league that can come down on a goalie with a just a slap shot and beat him clean. He did that here in Buffalo a couple like a month ago. Uh, or a couple weeks ago, uh, but again, Dallas. Just I think Dallas is a bad team. I don't think I think they made the playoffs because the West was really weak this year. They got stars, but not not to be cute there, like because they're the Dallas Stars. Like they have star players, Sagan and Ben, but I don't think they're that good a team. Their fan base kind of bores me, and they're one of those teams too when they're on TV in their home arena. It just looks dark. Like, San Jose does that, too. I don't know what it is, but some arenas in the league, like, they're on TV, and it just looks dark in there. And Dallas is that, so I'm not not a fan of watching Dallas. Avalanche and Flames is number six. I think the Flames are 
one of the contenders to win the Stanley Cup. In fact, I have them going to the Stanley Cup and losing to Tampa, but I think they're going to destroy the Avalanche. And I think this will be kind of interesting. Like Nathan McKinnon is box office. Or about as box office as you can get as a hockey player. Super entertaining player, but there's not enough around him to keep up with Calgary, I think. So I think that series probably ends pretty quickly, and I'm uh, I'm saying that's the sixth most interesting series. Number five, Islanders and Penguins. That's going on right now. It's one-to-one. Islanders don't really have the star power that I'm looking for. It's interesting here because Robin Leonard's their goalie. Uh, Pittsburgh always moves the meter a little bit because they've got Crosby and Malkin, but don't you get tired of them at some point? I got tired of Chicago, and I'm starting to get a little tired of Pittsburgh too. Um, So, fifth for the Islanders-Penguins. Number four, Lightning-Blue Jackets. I think that series is going to be destruction at the hands of the Blue Jackets. I think the Lightning are going to roll them. But the Lightning, man, like just watch them play. They, If you like good hockey, it doesn't get better than that. I have not seen a team in my lifetime that is more complete than Tampa. So just appreciating what they are, to me, puts them fourth. And the Blue Jackets got star players. I mean, Bobrovsky's fun to watch. Not in the playoffs so much. But Panarin is one of the most entertaining players for me to watch. Some great defensemen, Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. Like, fourth for that one, even though it's not going to be close. Jets and Blues, number three. This one, to me, is intriguing because it's one of those series where I just didn't know who to pick. I actually have the winner of this series going to the Western Conference Finals. I think St. Louis is going to the Western Conference Finals, but I'll be honest, if I would have picked Winnipeg here, I would have had Winnipeg going to the Western Conference Finals. I think these are two really good teams. Ryan O'Reilly is a story. Not even just here in Buffalo is like a great story this year. A guy that lost his love for the game last year here in Buffalo and has led them with over 70 points back to the playoffs. It's a good story. And I'm intrigued to see who will win that one. So I got them third. Number two, Sharks and Golden Knights. I had the Sharks winning the cup before the season. Part of the fact that Part of the reason they're not really a serious, serious contender, I would think, to win right now is the fact that their goaltending was one of the worst in the league this season. In fact, it might have been worse in the league this season. But you got star players all over the place there. You've got Couture, you've got Pavelski, Thornton, Burns, Carlson. And then on the other side, like Vegas is a real deal. They were not a fluke last year. They have the best goaltending on that side of the bracket. Flurry is locked in. And... Look at the other teams on that side. Even Calgary, who's like a cup contender. Riddich and Mike Smith, like, all right. I don't know. I, I might even get both of those guys playing in round one. And then you've got Colorado, who rotates around. Who's the other team over there? Who am I missing? Dallas. Not Dallas. Oh, the Sharks. V- Martin Jones, as I just said. Their goaltending's dreadful. But I got that number two. Because I think that will be a close series. And if the Sharks can keep their goaltending together, I think that they're going to win it. Uh, but I don't think they're going to get the goaltending, so I got Vegas going to round two. Leafs-Bruins, number one. It's got to be. Not just because of the rivalry, not just because of their original six, which is still fake. Spread the word. The original six is not real. The Montreal Maroons came up today on the station. So what are they? They're in the NHL. Are they pre-original six? How can you be pre-original? Doesn't make any sense. So... 
Leafs Bruins, um, two of the best teams in the league. Rivalry. I don't really have a rooting interest. I kind of hate them both. I think I'm rooting for the Bruins. It'd be funny if the Leafs lost in the playoffs in the first round three years in a row, wouldn't it? It would be very funny. Especially when they just signed Tavares. Like, what would they do? You're not firing Babcock, I think. You're not firing Kyle Dubas. He just got there. He's one of the things I'm most jealous of that the Leafs have right now. I don't think you're firing Brennan Shanahan, so I think the Leafs offseason would be really interesting if they lost in round one again. So I'd like to see that happen. Throw some turmoil in there. You know what? I'll say it. I'm rooting for the Boston Bruins. Whatever. Uh, the NHL's making me do it because of the matchup with Toronto, but I'm rooting for the Boston Bruins. I do think they're going to win the series, too. I'm not just rooting for them, too. I think it's a more complete team. I think the Leafs are faster and more offensive, but Boston's got a legit blue line. It's not just Char anymore. Like, McAvoy is a beast. And their goaltending's held together better than I thought they would. Rask isn't that good anymore, but Halak has kind of held down the fort when Rask has playing, been playing poorly. And it's not like I'm getting insanely good goaltending from the Leafs either. So I think that's the number one series in my book for the NHL playoffs. All right. Another scoring update for you, by the way. The New York Islanders. All right. The New York Islanders are up 2-1. to one. They've scored against the Penguins, and they're up 2-1. to one. And the other game is back from intermission. The Lightning are up 3 to nothing on the Blue Jackets. Scoring update brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. All right. I'm going to take a timeout here. Keep the tweets rolling. 803 if you want to get on the, on the phones with uh, your best and least favorite idea for Sabres head coach. Get a lot of Ricard uh, Gronberg. I think he is definitely the favorite. Court if you're if I'm going by Twitter right here. Uh, Chris Taylor, probably pretty close second. Lindy Ruff, a lot as well. Isn't it funny, though, that everyone's favorite idea just sounds unrealistic at this point? Maybe that's just because the Sabres only seemingly have one candidate at this point. But it's funny that the guys that you're... Chris Taylor's a serious candidate. I shouldn't group him in with that. But it's funny that how many people are mentioning Lindy and guys like Gronberg. And it just doesn't even seem like it's on the Sabres' radar. So we'll keep talking about that. Some insight into what Todd McClellan is as a head coach as well. If you missed it, a couple days or uh, early in the week, we had Jonathan Willis on, Oilers reporter, and he had a lot of insight into what Todd McClellan is as a head coach. And then you, we got to get to know him. We might have to get to know him if he does indeed become the next Sabres coach. And he's got to be the favorite right now. He's got to be the only guy that really has any sort of connection to them in the media or via um, all the insiders and reporters. So we'll get some insight from Jonathan Willis on Todd McClellan when we come back. If you want to get a call in before that on your favorite and least favorite idea, 803-0550 is the number to do that. It is the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. All right, we got another scoring update for you. The Blue Jackets trying to make it interesting. They have closed the gap to 3-1 to one halfway through the second period in Tampa. I don't really think they got the firepower to, do, to come all the way back, but they've made it interesting. 3-1. to one. Uh, What's the other game? Penguins and Islanders. 2-1 to one Islanders in the first intermission. NHL playoff scoring update brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. All right, let's get to know Todd McClellan a little bit here, eh? I just threw that A in there. I don't know why. 
Playoffs. Everyone's feeling Canadian right now, aren't you? Um, Jonathan Willis from The Athletic. He covers the Oilers. He was on with Bulldog and Sal a couple days back when that McClellan news first broke. And I thought he had some super good insight onto what McClellan is as a coach. And really... I think that, like, that's even though, like, we usually do interview of the day, but I'm going back a couple days here because I think if you want to know McClellan, I think this is the best insight that you can get on it. So let's now go to Jonathan Willis from The Athletic with uh, Bulldog and Sal from a couple days back. We're going to go right to the Wester Hotline and welcome in Jonathan Willis, The Athletic Edmonton and get his thoughts on their former coach and, I don't know, maybe the Oilers as a trade partner for the Sabres and a potential Rasmus Ristolainen trade. Uh, lots to go over here with uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, thanks for uh, making the time for us. It's uh, Chris here in Buffalo. How are you? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me on. All right. So um, Tom McClellan is, um, you know, someone you'd be very familiar with. I'm, I'm curious – um, how you felt his tenure in Edmonton uh, was handled? Do you think he got a, a, a raw deal? Um, was he a part of the problem? Like, how, how would you describe McClellan uh, in his time while you were there covering him? I think it's a mix of the two. I, like, he didn't. Obviously, the flaws in Edmonton's roster are are not things that any coach was likely to overcome. And uh, McClellan proved unable to do so. But I, I also don't think he particularly excelled with the Oilers. There were things he did well, things he did poorly. And, you know, when you look at his record between Edmonton and, and San Jose, he's, he's a guy who comes across, like he's clearly a qualified NHL head coach, but he's, he's neither, to me, one who's really at the, the top, top end of the profession, nor, nor one who's, who's right down at the bottom among the, the 31. I, I'd, I'd rate him as a sort of a middle, middle-tier NHL coach. And what do you think keeps him from being more highly rated? Is it, um, it well, just it, take it from there. <laughs> well, there, there are a couple things. And, and you know, when, when you hear me level these criticisms, keep in mind there are a lot of things he does well that I'm, I'm not highlighting here. I'm, I'm highlighting sure. specifically um, some of his flaws. Uh, the first one, I think, is which we saw in Edmonton was he and and also saw in San Jose he has a tendency to go with top heavy lineups he's not a, he's a big believer in playing talent with talent which you know some people are but a lot of times what ends up happening is your third and fourth lines as a result don't have you know a, a, any kind of of depth like they the Oilers back when the Oilers were capable of putting depth together uh, ran Drake Kajula as a rookie as a center for basically half the year after he was coming off a significant injury in training camp. And it, it just it did not work, and, and they ended up – this was in 2016-17 when they made the playoffs, and they had some depth. And um, it's something that McClellan always seemed to struggle with in Edmonton, and before that in San Jose was being able to ice a third and fourth line that could play together because he would you know move centers up to the wings on the top two lines, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, it damaged the depth chart. Uh, the second thing, I think, is development. He had sort of an uneven track record in Edmonton, but once guys got in the doghouse, it didn't seem like they were able to get out of it. Uh, yes, I believe Yarvey is a good example of that. He, uh, I can't remember if it was three or four straight games early early in the season where Pulley Yarvey was a healthy scratch for the Oilers, and and when he was asked about it, you know, McClellan kind of got a, a little bit defensive and started talking about, well, I'm you know I'm also healthy scratching Evan Bouchard. Why aren't you guys asking me about Evan Bouchard? Yeah. <laughs> Which was was a, a little bit different. And then the, the last area is special teams. So that was a major strength in San Jose, particularly on the power play. 
But McClellan's Oilers uh, struggled on the power play for the most part and were really bad on the penalty kill for the most part. And, and some of that's personnel, but to me, special teams are one of those areas where you, you do really look at coaching and you wonder if, if there wasn't room to, to uh, have a superior performance. Right. I wonder special teams, too. A lot of that, it feels like, falls to the assistants, but of course the head coach is the head coach, so ultimately he's, he's, he has final say, I suppose. Um, well, and, and the way, the way um, McClellan explained it in, in his pressers was that there was a lot of, it was a, sort of a collegial atmosphere where, you know, like an assistant coach might have the overall authority over the power player, might be directly responsible for it, but it was really group decisions being made. And for most of his tenure in Edmonton, McClellan had the same assistance he had in San Jose. So that was a group that had worked mm-hmm. together for a long, long time and, um, and, and we're used to that. Jonathan Willis, the Athletic Edmonton, on the Western Hotline with us here in Buffalo. I am the Bulldog. This is WGR. So um, would you say he had command of the of the room, the players? Like how how, how did he handle um, – is he, is he a tough guy coach? Is he a player's coach? Like how, how would you classify him if you can put him in one of those camps? Well, that, that's, a, that's a tough thing to gauge from the outside. One of the things I thought McClellan did really well was he avoided scapegoating players in the media. He was very uh, respectful. I'd even say sensitive in terms of how he handled his public presentation of players. And, and that got away a little bit from him at the end on, on some of the guys. But but mostly he's a player who, who, treats his, who seems to treat his players with, with a lot of respect. Uh, there were complaints in San Jose, and there were rumors towards the end in Edmonton that, you know, like he he, he was maybe a little too too downcast, a little too grumpy. But I, I think, you know, to some extent, that's just a byproduct of not having success. You know, nobody's mm-hmm. going into the rink with a big grin on their face when they're 13th in the Western Conference or whatever. Yeah, that that it's, we certainly can understand how that goes here. There's been a lot of a lot of talk here in Buffalo, Jonathan, about culture and the chemistry and I don't know the Sabres last year set out to repair that and made a Ryan O'Reilly trade and ended up almost as bad as last year I mean they didn't finish last but they're what fourth from the bottom so um things things don't always turn out as you're intending them to um well culture's culture's a funny thing I don't think the Blues have any complaints about O'Reilly this year I think they're probably (laughs) doing just fine yeah as it as it turns out so what kind of a fit do you think McClellan would be for Buffalo I mean Maybe for the purposes the purposes of this conversation, and because I don't want to be too depressed, let's assume they find a way to retain Jeff Skinner. Um, so I've got Eichel, and I've got Reinhardt, and I've got Darlene. Um, what what kind of situation do you think uh, this would be for McClellan? Is this a good fit? I think so. I, I actually think Buffalo is a reasonably good fit for McClellan. When we talk about his strengths, one of the things he does, like. He has been around, and and when you when you hire a rookie head coach, and and this is you know somebody who I shouldn't say rookie, but somebody who hasn't done it at the NHL level in a head position before, there's always a little bit of question about whether he knows, you know, what's up. Whether the it, it's a, it's a lot easier to look at him and wonder when the team has struggles. And I think what a guy like McClellan brings is because he's been in Detroit and he's been in San Jose and he's been in Edmonton. He's a guy who's been around. He knows what's up. He's he's not. If if there's a problem with your team, you know what? He might not be the guy to get you to the Stanley Cup, but he's probably not the guy who's you know leading you to a bottom five finish because of failures on his part as a coach. Like he's he's just he's not a bad coach. He's a solid guy. He's somebody you can rely on in that respect. And the other thing he does is his teams have a history of being good five on five. Um, Edmonton was not a great five on five team, but it did improve over his tenure. 
and he he plays you know heavy forechecking, um, more more dump and chase than I think is is really common in the league these days. But it's it's an aggressive dump and chase, and it's it's the kind of thing that does result in in decent possession numbers as a rule. Boy, it feels like dump and chase is like a dirty phrase now in hockey, doesn't it, Jonathan? <laughs> like, I just, yeah. I, I think, I think some of our audience, and I know me, like just like made a face when you said that. Like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and don't don't misunderstand me because there's dump and chase and there's dump and chase, right? Like, if you're setting up a whole bunch of fifty-fifty battles, the odds are really good you're going to <laughs> yeah. lose. You're, like if you if you have three fifty fifty battles between your defensive end and the offensive zone, odds are good you're not making it to the, right. the offensive end. Right. Uh, and and that's that's not the way McClellan's system is geared. Like McClellan's system is geared more towards seventy thirty battles, where there's a, a clear plan to get the puck back, and it's it's um, it's a good way. And and they really believe in breaking down defenses through through excess shot attempts and and things like that. Like it's designed to be a a heavy pressure all the time sort yeah. of thing, rather than one of these you know toss the puck in and then rush in and hope you get it situation. This might be a, a difficult question to answer, um, but I'm wondering if you have any thought on how adaptable a coach McClellan is. Uh, and I asked Jonathan for, for this reason. I think a part of what uh, doomed the Sabres here under Phil Housley is that he came from Nashville with this idea to be activating his defense and be going, going, going. And that, that results in a pretty loose style and I don't know, you know, I think the, the proof might indicate that he didn't have the team to really play that way and that maybe at some point scaling that back uh, might have been called for. And we never really saw that. So I'm wondering if McClelland has, in your experience, any track record of being able to maybe get away from what he feels he wants to do because of the personnel that he's dealt. I, yeah, he, he does to, to some extent. Like, I mean, he's not um... – not totally set in his ways or anything, but like all coaches, he, he gets stubborn. Like the Oilers had a couple of veterans when when he came in, um, Benoit Pouliot, who you know in Buffalo, uh, Mark Fane, Nikita Nikitin, and it, you know it wasn't a great list, but you kind of when, when he came in, those guys all kind of got black marks next to them. It seemed like and, and didn't get used. So you'd, you'd have liked to see him try and get a little bit more out of them. He seems to like the guys he likes, but it, it's it's tough too, right? Like. On some level, um, adaptability is a good thing, and on some level you need to have a system and stick to the system mm-hmm. and have everybody buy in, right? Uh, what I would say is he's going to be, like, not, he does have history with aggressive defense, but he's a very, you know, um, strong fundamentals coach. All his teams are tend to have those, uh, you know, the, the attention to detail and defensive detail in particular. And in Edmonton he didn't have the horses, but... I think that might be a, a nice shift after somebody with with Housley's more aggressive mindset. We um, uncovered, and, and I, I think I remember the comment from when it first happened, um, a quote from McClellan talking about um, you know living in the analytical world but knowing that or believing that the best analytics is a set of eyeballs. Watch the game, watch it again, um, and make evaluations in that way. How receptive – do you know him to be a, 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 of numbers and usage? And um, is he someone who's dismissive of that from like old hockey or is he more open-minded than maybe that quote might indicate? The thing I would suggest about some of the quotes in Edmonton is, is because Edmonton is, is really a, a one sport fishbowl and uh, a lot of the online presence is, is analytically based. Those tend to be the people who are most critical of the uh-huh. coaching staff. 
half. So McClellan said a couple of injudicious things while he was in Edmonton. And uh, to me, I, I read those comments, and, and this is just my personal uh, perspective on it, but I read those comments more as an indication of the pressure he was feeling and the criticism he was taking than necessarily a rejection of ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I'd say, you know, this guy's a, a real super analytically inclined guy, but I, I do think he's he's adaptable and accepting and, and the kind of person who's intelligent and open-minded enough to make use of the tools that right. are placed at his disposal. So L.A. is the other suitor, and I don't know the lottery's tomorrow. Like, would you would you would it surprise you if if Tom McClellan is sitting back somewhere waiting to see what happens tomorrow at eight o'clock and like who's who's drafting where? Like before, like how much would you think that would or should play a part in a decision if indeed Buffalo and Los Angeles are the front runners for his services? Well, his last. Uh... The last time out, he got pretty good with the lottery, and it didn't didn't end up right. resulting in team success. So, I don't know that I'd read too much into it. Yeah. If it were me, I'd I'd look at Buffalo and I'd look at LA and I'd look at the respective age ages of the the core groups. I'd I'd rather be in in Buffalo personally. I I just think LA. You know, hockey is a cyclical game, and and LA is at a, a worse place to be on the cycle. You you can overcome that with with good talent and good management and and lots of stuff, but. They're starting from further behind than where Buffalo is right now. Right. The window is, like, I think they might still be viewing it like their window's open, but I don't know if that's realistic, right? No, well, I mean, you still have Kopitar and and Dowdy and Carter and these guys, but you look at their ages and you look at the performance of the team this year and you go, is there really a realistic path to contention with those guys as your core still? I'm skeptical there is. Talking with Jonathan Willis for just a moment or two more here on WGR. He covers the Oilers for the Athletic in Edmonton. So um, the idea of a Rasmus Ristolainen trade, like this is a player, even though you're in Edmonton, I'm imagining you you know chapter and verse on the coverage of him and the debates about him, big minutes, um, pretty good point production. I mean, we're talking about, I think, six forty point five or six forty point seasons. Like he's had, he's had reasonably good offensive seasons, but defensively he can be a sinkhole. Um, and there's been talk lately of a match with Edmonton and may perhaps a Ryan Nugent Hopkins trade. Um, do you see a fit in Edmonton for Ristolainen and is Nugent Hopkins a realistic centerpiece coming back? I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say no to bo- both of those questions, but that's that's my perspective and a lot's going to change on the gm and i know one of the things that's been stressed repeatedly by um, bob nicholson and and the current interim gm keith gretzky and the outgoing head coach ken hitchcock is is uh increasing their transition game so it wouldn't surprise me if they look to upgrade their defense in the off season i think ristolainen's a bad fit in edmonton for a couple of reasons um the first being that they have a bunch of right-shot offensive defensemen on the way. So you've got Evan Bouchard coming, you've got Ethan Bear coming, you've got Joel Parrison coming from Europe this year. And and none of those guys have, you know, Ristolainen's uh, history of offensive production at the NHL. But if you stick, you know, a, an offensively-oriented, somewhat defensively weak defenseman on the right side on one pairing, and then you're bringing Evan Bouchard up, and he's bringing the same game to the second <laughs> pairing, and they're both power plays. Well, they can't both play on the first power play, right? right? Well, I mean, maybe, but it's going to be tough. So to me, I don't think he's a fit for their long-term needs as much as he'd be a fit for, for their short-term. And, and the, other pers- the other part of it is that 
Edmonton just doesn't have forward depth. Like Ryan Nugent Hopkins' name gets mentioned a lot, but you look at their like Edmonton basically needs to add an entire second line, and if you <laughs> trade Nugent Hopkins, you need to add four top six players. So it, right. it, to me, it just doesn't make sense for the Oilers. Yeah. All right. Well, I hear that. All right. But yeah, I, I suppose a lot of it. I, I, I was t- we were talking about this earlier, Jonathan, and, and I, I guess that maybe. Um, dot connecting only goes this far. Well, the Oilers were dopey enough to trade away Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, so maybe you know. And I think that that might just get you to here. Let's talk about this as an idea. But what do I know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's a it's a legitimate idea to talk about. Like that's that's my perspective on the team. But there are lots of people who have a bind on the Oilers and say, well, you know, you got to trade somebody to get better, and and that defense is a real right. area of need. So. I, I, I've offered you my perspective, but uh, you know, don't take it as gospel. Excellent. All right. Well, Jonathan, thank you very much for this. Appreciate you making the time, and uh, always enjoy the follow on Twitter. So thanks for everything. Hey, it's uh, always fun to come on the show, Chris. We'll talk to you later. There is Jonathan Willis. Some good insight into Todd McClellan. Also a little bit there on Ristolainen and the Oilers. Nugent Hopkins and such. We got more on McClellan at our website at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. So go there if you want more. Um, no scoring update to give you on the NHL playoffs. It's about to go to the second intermission. The Lightning are up 3-1 to one on the Blue Jackets. Oh, we do have a scoring update. Hold on, let me get to my goal horns here really quick. You know what this goal horn is? This is the Winnipeg Jets. They're in action against the Blues. That's on NHL Network. And Patrick Laine has the Jets out in front one to nothing on the Blues. So there's that. The scoring update brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. I like this goal horn. I like the siren and I like the song. Take notes, Sabres. Although I like I like I like the uh, I don't love the goal horn. I love the classic. Is it, can I call it classic if it's from 2000, like 10 years ago? Uh, the 2005-2006 goal horn. I love that. Um, I do like their song, though. It's just, you know, kind of been around when the, they've been bad. So we haven't really, I think, fell in love with it yet. But I think maybe we'll get there if, uh, if the team gets good. All right. Last call in the nightcap coming up next. 803-0550 is the phone number. Topic of the day. Your favorite and least favorite idea for Sabres head coach. If you want to get some last thoughts in, now's the time to do it. We'll be back with that, and we'll get you ready for the night, the late games for the NHL playoffs, and we'll preview those a little bit when we come back. On the nightcap, Jody Biasi here on WGR. Last call on the nightcap. you got a couple minutes here left. If you want to get in any thoughts on Sabres coaching search, 803-0550 is the phone number. Hit reporters coming up in just about 10 minutes. No updates to give you on the NHL playoffs. They're ongoing. It's like my one of my favorite sports nights of the year. When you get all the first round games, not all of them, but a lot of them. It's almost like the first day of the NCAA tournament to me. Where you have a bunch of games, but I like hockey more. So, I would put this day above the first day of the NCAA tournament, but... That's really only because hockey's my favorite sport. Um, so, bunch of games tonight. Some games later that I'm super intrigued with. I ranked 
earlier in the show my most interesting series. And second I had on their San Jose and Vegas. I almost put it first. I think that one is super intriguing to me. Uh, if San Jose can get any sort of goaltending, I think they should win that series. But they haven't gotten it all year, and you know Ve- you don't know Vegas is going to get it, but you're pretty sure. Flurry's been a rock all year, and he was last year. So that game starts at 10:30 um, on NBCSN. That's the game I'm looking forward to the most. I think Nashville's going to roll Dallas. I think Dallas is bad. They might be the worst team in the playoffs. They might be. Um. Sabres coach search. So we had a lot of tweets and a lot of texts throughout the night. I would want to. I don't. This isn't a exact science, but just scrolling through my mentions on the tweet that I put out, I would say Roger Ronberg or not Roger Ronberg. Um, Raquel Gronberg. It's tough to keep those two in line. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that he's the mo- the biggest favorite that I have seen so far on Twitter. A lot of people still like the Lindy idea. Um, a lot of people like the Chris Taylor idea, and nobody that I can really find likes the Elaine Vigneault thing, and I think that's a good sign. I, you do not want Elaine Vigneault as your head coach when you have a young team. That's a bad idea, I think, and I hope the Sabres don't do that. I'd much rather have Todd McClellan. Like I said, if you're going to go retread route, McClellan I think is about as good as you can do at this point, but I want to see some risk. Go for a European coach. It's about time. There hasn't been one in the NHL since 2001. It's about time that someone did it, and why not the Sabres? Especially when you've got like a bunch of really good young Swedish players. like They'd respect that. And it would be a different style. It would be a different sort of system. And my end of the day, Gronberg is my favorite idea. If you could get Ronberg to come here, the Frölunda head coach, uh, I'd be signed up for that too. I just don't think... It might be a tough sell to get a guy to uproot his family that, and to come to a team in the NHL that kind of cycles through coaches. That's a big commitment, and I'm not sure that uh, that he'd sign up for that. But Gronberg, on the other hand, the Swedish national coach, has expressed openly his desire to come to the NHL. So I think if you wanted to do that, I think you could. So that's an interesting idea, and I'd like to see what Sabres do it. All right, that is it for me tonight, so stay tuned. We've got Pit Reporters coming up next. Of course, NHL playoffs throughout the night. 10.30 is the last game that gets going, and that is the Sharks and the Golden Knights. I will be back on Friday. Actually, I'll be back for a brief show tomorrow night before we go to Frozen 4 coverage just after 8 o'clock. So I'll have about an hour here at 7. And then Friday, I'll get a full show too. So we'll keep the Sabres talk rolling. We'll start again some NFL draft talk as well as tomorrow marks the two-week mark until the first round. We'll start to get into some draft as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.